Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head to head to see which one does it better. On this week's episode, we've gone Butler Barmy, because in the red corner, Gerard Butler is Jacob Jake Lawson, and he has to save the planet in this disaster flick. Come sci-fi movie, come whodunit, come action film, come political thriller. Yes, why have one movie genre when you can have five? And why give Jim Sturgis a role-appropriate haircut when you can just not? From 2017, it's Geostorm. Mr. President, one of our thermospheric satellites malfunctioned over Afghanistan. So your proposal is what? We shut down all satellites. I don't need to remind all of you how many people died from catastrophic climate conditions. Make sure there's no further incidents. Are you going back up to space? I'm coming back. I promise. Have a safe trip, sir. Just don't touch anything. Main engine start. While in the blue corner... Gerard Butler is John Jake Garrity, and he has to save his family from an interstellar comet by getting them to a bunker. If that sounds easy, it's not, because there's nothing like a comet to bring out the crazy in people, like the dude from The Office who literally steals a child. From 2021, it's Greenland. We now are getting word that the fragment has hit Central Florida. Oh my God. Wait, are some more pieces gonna hit? Come on, let's go. But the sky's on fire. Two days. They got it all wrong. There's a ton of fragments. Planet killers. Space agencies are predicting an extinction-level event. We're going to be together, all right, kiddo? We're just trying to get to safety. They've been tracking the military flights to bunkers in Greenland. It's their only chance. So what connects these two films, and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! 
Hello, Clash Butters. I won't be the president who hands over damaged goods. Not now, not ever. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crumpton. I'm Chris Tilly. How does today find you both? <laughs> Lovely to have your voices in my head. Um, I've got a little bit of a dust allergy, which is... Uh, so apologies in advance uh, for the snot, but what can I do? Oh, I could clean my house is what I could do, but, but that seems to be beyond me. So, yeah, I'm just... That's oh, I was giving I you giving you the benefit of the doubt. I assumed it was because uh, work was taking place in the house to rectify the damaged boiler situation. Oh, oh no, no, we've kicked that into the long grass. I tell you what, uh, yeah, Mark got distracted because he found a sack of Seville oranges in Lewisham Market. And if mm. you want a, a recipe with Seville oranges in, he's your man. If you want a builder, he's not engaging with that right now because we've got a sack <laughs> of oranges to get through. So... <laughs> That's the week we're having. I'm like, how's it going? He's like, what about with fennel? It's like, I don't give a shit if we have it with fennel <laughs> or in a cake or whatever. Oh, I care about our builders. But still. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm having a better week than you then. I've made friends with a guy who works in my newsagent. Uh, and every time I go in now, uh, whether I want to or not, really, I have a shot of limoncello with him. So... <laughs> Which is it's lovely in the evening. Lovely of an evening when you, you're going for your evening dog walk. About 11 in the morning. Not a great idea. But, oh, a dream, you know. it's a dream scenario. Dreamy. <laughs> hey, Alex, limoncello? Uh, yeah, sure. Start a podcast with him. <laughs> How are you, Christopher? I'm good, thanks. Great stuff. Let's crack on. So uh, this week's clash, Geostorm versus Greenland, or as we're calling it, our bonkers butler bonanza. Two butlers for the price of one. Get your butlers while they're hot. <laughs> These were my choices. Why, I'm sure, <laughs> is the question that is being asked. Um, sometimes you want to hurt the things you love. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I hope you both enjoyed Geostorm. Uh, but because I'm not that bad, I soften the blow. And because I know that you both love deep impacts, you fucking love it. You love it so much, uh, much more than Armageddon. I, I, I thought uh, we should do uh, basically a better deep impact so we can all kind of enjoy this movie is our great comet movie instead of Deep Impact, which you yeah, love. Yeah, what a week. Probably a short one this week, I feel, for me. Not much jeopardy, if I'm being honest, about, oh, which is the better film? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're wrong, Victoria. Uh, if I'm I, I, Well, not wrong, of course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't start off our journey this week saying you're wrong. But I think Geostorm is going to surprise you. I think, I think I've got an argument for Geostorm that may surprise you. So I don't think this week is as cut and dry as you possibly think it is. Okay, that's, I'm genuinely interested. And not snarkily, I'm genuinely mm. interested to see what you've got. Good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put two, two such uneven films next to each other if I didn't have a curveball to yeah, pitch okay. you later on. Fair enough. Uh, all right. All right. So the clue I gave on last week's show uh, was so very good that I don't need to repeat it. Uh, <laughs> we, we can just all enjoy the moment that was last week. Uh, Chris followed that up on Twitter with nothing. <laughs> he wrote nothing this week, Chris. Because you left me speechless, Alex. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, we did get some great guesses on Twitter. We are on Twitter at ClashBob, on Instagram at ClashBob. Uh, a few right answers this week from Paul Jordan, Paul Logue, uh, but the quickest uh, in less than 60 seconds. He is a previous winner. Congratulations, Andrew Logan. 
you have our respect. Um, and we do have a, a couple of other pairing suggestions this week uh, from Nick Cook and Johnny Tightlips, which I'm assuming are a joke. Uh, they've suggested at some point we do Waterworld <laughs> versus Aquaman. <laughs> Now, well, that's good. Chris, that is good. Surely Waterworld goes a Fury Road, Chris. <laughs> no, I think they're going with Fish Boys, and I think it's that, that sounds good. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. Uh, connections then between these two movies. What have you got for me? Uh, smart Kids, uh, which is a trope. I, I hate in one and I don't mind in the other, but like very clever kids. Yeah. It's, I've, I've seen it a lot. It's, mm. And I think sometimes... I think I think you're right. I think in one it works better than the other because somehow a lot of smart kids in movies come with sass, added yeah. sass. It's not like they're smart and like just cool with it. They're no. smart and sassy about it. Yeah. Hiding under bridges as well. So when stuff gets tricky, hide under a bridge, which I'd never thought of. So I'm glad I saw these films for that life hack, if you will. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I didn't even pick up on that one. That's a good one. Good one. Um, is is this one? G- Gerard Butler plays an action hero in both films, but it's kind of a non-traditional action hero job he's got. Uh, he's a structural engineer in the second film. In the first film, I'm not 100% sure what his job is, but I think it's satellite maker, maybe? <laughs> I it? think it's scientist, Chris. Uh, come on. Okay, Everyone's sorry. a scientist. He's a scientist. He's a builder scientist, though. He built the <laughs> ICSS, the International Climate Space Station. So he is he's a builder. I've got Butler Builds. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Chris. He's a builder. Butler Builds. Okay. Uh, Good. F- phones. 90% of both films revolve around phone calls or an inability to make phone calls. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Any more? No. Neither does anything original with the disaster movie format. Okay. One nearly does, nearly, so nearly does, and then wimps out at the last minute. Mm. I, I quite like the fact that both have on-screen countdown clocks to when everyone will die. It's just great. Especially in Greenland, where it's on the news, and I think it's called Planet Killer Countdown, 23 hours to go. <laughs> like it's fucking New Year's Eve or something. Like People are like, how long? <laughs> it's like, look at the countdown, only 23 hours left. Weird. <laughs> Uh, so the actual connection I'm going for is The Butler Did It. There you go. Uh, <laughs> on Thursday, Victoria is guiding us to Greenland, which means today Chris is cooking up a geostorm. Chris, take us on a journey. Geostorm kicks off in the distant future of 2019. When temperatures have risen, ocean patterns have changed and ice caps have melted, resulting in extreme weather unleashing a wave of destruction on the planet. To save ourselves, we create Dutch Boy, a giant net filled with satellites to stop the weather. But then that goes wrong, and only the bloke who built it can save the day. Which is a stupid idea in a film that's filled with stupid ideas. Indeed, test audiences were so confused by this nonsense that that the director of Stallone's Judge Dredd was brought in to clear things up. But not even he could fix this actual disaster. So, Alex... Let's start with you, because ever since we came up with the idea for this podcast, you've wanted to do Geostorm. Why? (laughs) I think this is a false memory. I'm not having this. I'm not having my name besmirched. I think once we sat together and we were talking about movie twinning, like this, the whole principle of like Dante's Peak, Volcano, and we said the day after tomorrow, and I said... 
Geostorm. And that is the <laughs> limit of my enthusiasm about doing Geostorm. However, knowing that you were going to suggest this, I've actually <laughs> looked at this movie with a very, very severe eye. And I found I found a truth in this film that, that, <laughs> that maybe you haven't. And I'm, I'm going to tell you about that truth. But, but, but for the moment, yeah, Geostorm. I've watched it once before. <laughs> It so, was, all right, like, so we've established right. Alex is obsessed with Geostorm. Vicky, how about you? <laughs> uh, when we started talking about this podcast, which I think was 2019, Alex was obsessed with Geostorm. <laughs> yes, I remember, and, I remember it well. I remember it well. Yeah. And so for that reason, I didn't watch it because A, I was like, I'll have to watch it for this. But B, if he's obsessed with it, red flag. So no, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> so this is my first time. Yeah, don't you find yourself these days avoiding watching films if you think it's going to come up on the podcast? So yeah, that, yeah. Because I'm, Cause I'm it's annoyed. More fun sometimes to have in- <laughs> fresh eyes on it. I think. Agreed. Because I, I heard this was a terrible film. I watched it when it was on the telly. I thought it was quite bad, and I thought I'd never have to watch it again. So I quite resented yeah. having to pay my three pound mm. fifty or whatever it was to 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 watch Geostorm for a second bloody time. But when yeah. one member of the panel is obsessed with the film, then it's only right that we, <laughs> we give yeah, it the benefit of the doubt. I, I just want to clear up because we had a we had a, a message on Twitter uh, from uh, this is the sea going. Why does Alex hate us? I don't hate people by picking these movies. I don't hate you. I think there is an importance about understanding Geostorm. <laughs> There's going to be a benefit for all of us by the end of this show. This is an important day. You you sit where you are. You don't change this part. You listen and you will learn something. All right, let's do this. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, the background to this film. And I'm going to start with a quote from Gerard Butler himself. He says, whenever anyone questions the movie, I know it comes from such a pure place because Dean Devlin's daughter gave him the idea. She said, Dad, can't we put something up in the sky that will fix this? (laughs) And that's where Geostorm comes from. It's a story of what if, that cautionary tale of hope. Mm. So this is all the fault of a little girl, is what Gerard Butler's basically saying. A little six-year-old girl. <laughs> you know, another movie another movie based on a child's idea was uh, Monster Trucks, and I think the guy <laughs> lost his job after that. So, well, it's, I, not, it's not a good system. It could, good system. it could be argued that Dean Devlin lost his job uh, as well <laughs> on this film. Um, but let's, uh, so let's talk a little bit about him. He's an actor, uh, Dean Devlin, who became a writer and producer of Big Disaster Movie thanks to his partnership with Roland and Emmerich. So he wrote Independence Day and Godzilla. And he decided that he wanted to direct a dark disaster movie of his own um, based on his daughter's idea. So he wrote Geostorm. And it's fair to say things did not go well. The film was shot in 2014 and was due to its screens in 2016, but was delayed and pushed back and delayed several times, largely due to disastrous test screenings. Um. Another quote from Gerard Butler. You don't really know until you show a movie to an audience and you can go, oh, okay, they're not really understanding that bit or this bit isn't landing as it should. You can be like, how can they not get that? Maybe it's a case of we said it in the script, but we didn't show it to the audience. It's crazy how that can happen. And it most definitely happened here because (laughs) uh, test audiences had no fucking idea what was going on. Um, Jerry Bruckheimer was brought aboard to oversee $15 million worth of significant reshoots due to problems with storyline clarity, plot credibility, and character motivation. (laughs) Um, So the writer of Shutter (laughs) Island, whose name I can't pronounce, was brought in to craft some new scenes. Um, A scientist was adding to proceedings. I know, Vicky, you're keen on the scientists in this film, so we did get an additional (laughs) scientist. I'm not clear which one. I think it might be the German. No! Um, 
my vote is Cheng. I think Cheng is... If you look at Cheng's scenes... They're the scenes in which Jim Sturgis is clearly wearing a wig, which means they've come from reshoots, which means they were added later and they're all with Chung. There's, there's there's a lot of scenes in which Jim Sturgis wears a wig in this. I mean, what, what other thing he must have been shooting to be entirely bald? I don't know because it's short hair, but it's a wig. I was, I'm so glad you said that. The minute he popped up, I was like, can someone just trim the back of his hair? Because it's it's over the back of his collar and in the job he has, that I don't think that's allowed. That's unacceptable. It's a very smart profession, very formal. Yeah. It was just he, annoying me so much. He looks like he's just rolled out of a Britpop nightclub circa yeah. 1995 <laughs> he looks like and he's there into on the White the, House. Yeah, he's there on work experience. So yeah. that's what he looks yeah, So there's no point yeah. getting your hair cut. You should be out there in a week. Hey, Ed Harris, have you heard the new menswear track? It's fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, Gerard Butler's wife in the movie, who was previously a character in the film, uh, she was she was recast and then pretty much jettisoned from the whole Jesus. thing. She sort of gets one line uh, while she's standing in the background of a scene. Yeah. Um, there was even an issue with the music. Oh, um, my God. Oh, my God. That explains so much. I think they just gave his daughter... His wife's old lines. That's because when his daughters, when he's leaving for space, and she's she basically she's what sixteen maximum in this I film. I don't even think she's sixteen. Like, right. she, oh, I don't know. I would say like fourteen maximum. Yeah, right, five. So she's fourteen in this film, and she like she is clearly reading dialogue written for a much older actress because she's like, so you're going to space then, uh huh? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, but I'll be back. And she's like, oh, really? Because you're not very reliable like that, and it's like, what this? Who's why is this kid like a forty year old woman? What's going on? <laughs> uh, there was also an issue with the music. Apparently, where a dramatic scene um, was playing out, it was spoiled by a comedic score playing underneath. So a new composer was brought on board, and I'm just imagining the Benny Hill theme tune now playing over <laughs> some of those <laughs> scenes of mass death and destruction um but most dramatically warner <laughs> brothers um was granted special directors guild dispensation to allow another filmmaker danny cannon to helm the new scenes that's danny Yay! cannon of judge dread fame <laughs> um so uh but again i'm going to quote mr butler again he's adamant that the finished film is very much dean devlin's he said i think he wrote a beautiful script and directed a great movie but listen this movie is an epic undertaking and surprisingly complex plot you've got to be sure that it all makes sense you want to make it challenging but ultimately you want the audience to understand it so it just needed a bit of finessing I mean, it's the right thing to say. You can't, you know, he's he's worked intensely with him. He doesn't want to throw him under the bus. And I get why he's got to say things like that. But maybe Dean Devlin has made a great film, but this is is not it. (laughs) And $15 million is more than just a bit of finessing, I would say, as well. That's depressing. So depressing. Um, And Geostorm's troubles weren't over there either because a string of horrendous hurricanes hit the US around the time of the film's release. Hurricane Harvey destroyed parts of Texas. Hurricane Irma devastated Florida. So Warner had to rethink their marketing campaign at the last minute. They crafted new trailers that downplayed the weather angle, which kind of... (laughs) (laughs) Which undermines the film. And it's tricky when you've got Storm in the title of your movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they have to change the tagline as well? Wasn't the tagline something like Brave the Storm or Survive the Storm? And it's like, scratch that, scratch that now. Yeah, they they had to contact cinema owners asking them to remove posters that featured a giant tsunami under the words 
brave the storm. Yeah. So uh, new pl- new posters replaced that tagline with control the weather, control the world. Okay. Uh, but those measures couldn't stop the critics who went at Geostorm hard. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 16% and um, audiences seem to hate it just as much. Although it did a bit better internationally than it did in the States. But the film, they reckon the film, thanks to those reshoots and all these other issues, their film needed to gross 300 million to even break even. <gasps> and it ended up making um, just over 200 million. So it, it, it recorded some serious losses. Yeah. So that's the background. It's quite depressing, really. Ah. <laughs> no, only only because of the way you read it. You could have read that whole thing with some Benny Hill music underneath and it would have been a very different section of the show. I guess also the hurricane's killing all those people. But um, aside from that, it, I guess it was quite funny. Um, <laughs> should we talk about the movie then? Yes, only, I just want to very quickly interject with my favourite uh, Gerard Butler performance. Uh, it's not tragically in Geostorm. It's uh, it's him as Attila the Hun in the TV series Attila, in uh, which he appears alongside Tim Curry. Uh, that completes this week's obligatory <laughs> oh, Tim Curry all reference. Are you deflated then? Are you a bit, are you a bit over it? Because if you're <laughs> over it, it needs to stop. <laughs> I think I might be a little bit. I mean, I feel like I'm sort of treading water with it. It doesn't seem to have evolved. It hasn't um, brought you any joy, has it? In the last few weeks, no. no and the it problem hasn't. is, I've I've used that one before. The last time we did a Gerard Butler movie as oh, well, mate. so I'm, I'm, it's it's tainted. Um, there's a lot of self-loathing going on with that one, but I couldn't find anything else. So let's just skip over it. Let's move on. I'll, I'll do some thinking. Also, I was going to I was going to ask you guys if one of us say had re- recently written a script where uh, about a pirate and they really want Gerard Butler to. Play the pirate in it. Is it all right for them to only say nice things about Gerard Butler for the next two shows? <laughs> well, in, in that in that very niche hypothetical situation, yeah, absolutely. Good. All right, excellent. He's terrific in this film. Uh, should we talk about the movie? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about Gerard Butler in that opening scene where he uh, arrives uh, and he looks like he's just woken up in a beer bin. <laughs> He looks good. He looks <laughs> terrific. <laughs> I'm just sort of testing the water for how serious you're going to take this because he, he he literally he look he goes he's like oh, I was just flown in from space and it's like what are you are you still drunk? Uh, get, get your fucking tie. Give me your tie. I've flown in from space. Shut up, Richard Schiff. You've got a mistress and you puff in your chest out for your fucking mistress. I've flown in from space, Dutch boy. Dutch boy. <laughs> that is the first mistake. Is it, to me, Dutch boy, it just sounds like a sex thing. And so I couldn't <laughs> drop it the whole thing. They're like, get the Dutch boy on it. Where it's like, yo, like I don't even want to think about what that is. Um, we, uh, what about the voiceover at the start? That, oh, the, yeah. Right. First of all, yeah. It nearly got a pass because her voice sounds a lot like the little girl in The Crow. So I was like, all right, maybe (laughs) because of my historical love for that film. But on a much more serious note, the little girl is like, weather got really bad and there was fuck all we could do about it. And it's like, what about the carbon? Like, she's like, and what we did is we fought back together. And there's not a mention made of the fact that the planet is being heated artificially by us <laughs> and that if the UN were going to come together on something, maybe it would be to stick to a net zero emissions target or some such. But it seems it puts the weather as this like external force that we have absolutely no influence over, which is what we did think until about a hundred years ago. And now we know that we do have an influence on it. So where was that in the voiceover? Yeah. 
I bet she, you can't put all that in the voiceover if if you're going to have the kid be uh, as as a sassy as she is in that voiceover because she doesn't really like the people of the past because when she's talking about the hurricanes and stuff she's like they called it extreme weather they didn't know what extreme was the dicks <laughs> it's like she's got a real issue with them, like how much better her bad weather is now it, <laughs> yeah. and also like the, this film was made in 2017 why is it say. set in 2019 <laughs> Like why? Why would you set a movie? Why? Like when it's two years in the future and there's no way we'd have a space station and a net of satellites called Dutch Boy two years from when this film is released. Like it's a strange decision unless you accept that this movie takes place in an alternate reality, which I I think is a very strong argument for mm. the whole universe of Geostorm. This is Earth, but in a parallel dimension. Okay. Sowing some seeds. That's all I'm doing right now. Sowing some seeds. Is this is this your theory that's going to rescue Geostorm? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so Gerard Butler is my favourite character type here. He's a maverick. Um, as you said, he's one hour late to the Senate uh, committee meeting. And uh, we find that he fails to follow procedure. He ignores the chain of command. He punched mm-hmm. a federal inspector in the face. Uh, because he brought Dutch Boy online and made it operational without consent, but he saved lives, goddammit. But his attitude does not go well uh, with the committee, and he ends up um, losing his job to his brother and then uh, being fired on the spot. That's that's a good that's uh, that's a good scene when uh, Jim Sturgis's haircut turns up <laughs> and it's like he's like uh, that didn't go well, and Jared Butler's like. No, I fine did. I flew in from space. And he goes, he goes, he goes, l- l- listen, Dad, I mean, brother, uh, you're fired. <laughs> and also a shout out. And I know how hard it is. We all know how hard it is to write sibling exposition because no one ever in the real world goes, hey, little brother, not ever. But scripts often find a way around this by going, do you remember at mum's birthday or more commonly ever since mom died, which is the, the typical one. And even though their mom is died, they don't go there. Gerard Butler just says, hey, little brother. It's like a brilliant big tick for me, drinking game. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just to help with your, uh, not your uh, Chris, uh, just general casting of uh, Gerard <laughs> Butler in anyone's script as a pirate captain. Uh, this is the worst he looks in the film. Like, I think they filmed this first. He saw the rushes because by the end he looks phenomenal. He's back. Like, this is this is the worst he looks. I never, I never believed they were brothers though. At any point no. in the film, what a million years. <laughs> yeah, why, why would you? Why would you on any level? <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right. Uh, so we cut to three years later. Uh, Max, uh, the Jim Sturge's character, Max is now, I think he's Assistant Secretary of State. I think. Can I ask a question? Yes. The cut to three years later, I missed that. Is it in the cap? Is it a caption? Because then Gerard Butler's living in a camper van and he's like, I lost my family. I lost everything. I was like, when? I thought it was like the court was like two weeks. Yeah, uh, I, I did missed too. It. <laughs> uh, they either say it or it's on screen, but it's definitely three years later because it's written here in oh, my notes. Sorry. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and Max is, is dating um, a Secret Service agent, Sarah Wilson, played by Abby Cornish. Um, 
So she's not professional. This is probably why you shouldn't have women in the Secret Service because they'll just start sleeping with the people they're supposed to protect. So <laughs> No, no, it's because of our periods. That's wrong. You're right. I'm sorry, I've got to call you out on that, Chris. Okay. It's because once a month, we can't make a fucking decision. So that's it, the reason. That's the actual if reason. Air, if Air Force One crashed into the ocean, they attract sharks and the president yes. might die. <laughs> Look, so. some things are just true. And as as much as it, it like can, it doesn't connect with my politics, you know, you can't avoid facts. So... And Vicky was actually offered a job uh, in the Secret Service. She went, no, because I'm, I'm a danger to those around me. I'm a very heavy me. bleeder. <laughs> so you don't want me anywhere whoa, near. I know. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Bingo. I, I call Victoria Bingo. I never thought I'd get it, but heavy bleeder uh, for a full house. I didn't think it was coming. I never thought I'd get Clash Pod full house bingo. Heavy bleeder. Stop there saying it. Are. Stop saying it. Moving on. Um, so oh, America is handing over Dutch Boy to the international community in a couple of weeks, but the shit is hitting the fan or the ice is hitting the Afghan Afghanistan desert um, because there's a village frozen to death in the middle that of the desert. That looked great. I like that. I thought that cool was cool. Image. Yeah, yeah, really good. So they think it was caused by Dutch Boy and they need engineers up there fixing it. Well, maybe not engineers. <laughs> they need one man. There's only one man that can do this. <laughs> this scene makes no sense. Jim Sturgis is with, he's pleading and he's like, we have to do something. And everyone's like, well, I'm not really sure about that. And it's like, why is it? It's basic common sense that someone has to fix it. Yeah. But he's like, no, we've got to fix it. They're like, well, it's on you, Jim Sturgis. Like, you, yeah. If you say so. <laughs> He introduces concepts that he that no one else had introduced, only to then deny those ideas. Like he goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes. Not suits, though. We're not sending suits up there. It's like no one would, no one suggested sending suits up there. <laughs> what a terrible engineer. idea! Yeah, he's like, not suits. We'll send engineers, real people. It's like, well, duh, Jim Sturgis. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, this is is this after <laughs> is this after the Indian astronaut has died. On the on the space station, it's just before is... it's just before that happens. Mahmoud, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, because does he die? Does he die because Gerald Butler built a space station where at any point uh, the entire corridor like wall could just blow out into space? Why is that? Why why does that room exist? Why would you build a room where in like three seconds flat you why, when would you ever need to be from inside a space station to outside a space station so quickly that a wall explodes into space? <laughs> I don't know if you want to re- really question. quickly get sucked off because he does, doesn't he? He gets sucked right off in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Are you playing to Gerard Butler on this show? Do you think that's his sense of humour? Is that what you think? Do you think somewhere he's going, hey, I'm looking for a pirate role. <laughs> yeah, you should send him this with the script. Just, it might make the difference. You don't know. <laughs> it's a funny business, you know. Uh, um, so next we're in Florida because yeah. uh, <laughs> Max, Max is, is going to see his brother, Jake, who's definitely his brother uh, because uh, they had a secret code when they were kids. I have no idea why they're telling us this this now but they make a big point of telling us they had a secret code um, but yeah as you said in in the intervening three years jake split with his wife he's lost his house and he's even lost his dog um but he agrees he agrees to um help um his daughter wants him to come back alive um even though he isn't exactly the reliable type and he promises her he will come back alive now, Vicky, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but don't when it when a character makes that promise that they'll come back alive, don't they have to then die? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to check that. I just wanted to check that. <laughs> you're, you're I a... thought he was going to, the minute he said it, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Even kill watching him. it a second time, I'm thinking, well, he's, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to die then because that's the only yeah. reason that happens. Yeah. Um, speaking of dying, we've also got Cheng here, um, Alex's mm. favourite. So, Alex, you, you think this is the character that was added in post, but I'm not sure what Cheng actually adds to anything. I've got no idea. What's his job? What does he do? I don't get he it. Works for, I think he works for the Climate Change Council because that's the headquarters Ugh. he's in. Yeah. Um, okay. he's, the chief en- he's the chief engineer yeah. of their Pacific Division. Okay. Uh, and he's the one who smells a rat. He figures out there's something going on. Um, his access is is he's having issues with his access. Um, there's a there's a defective system he spots. So while actually the the weather's going haywire around him, the roads start burning up, and his his little smart car has to drive away from these fire bombs and the skyscrapers that are toppling. He also figures out what's going on, but rather than tell Max. <laughs> he flies to see him, and then even when he's there, he won't tell him. He insists on meeting him in person, and so we just get scene after scene where nothing really happens with him until he dies, having not really done anything. Yeah, can you can you imagine selling that role to? It's Daniel Wu who plays. Yeah. Him. Can you imagine selling selling that role to him? Going so you this is uh, you got the you got the role of Cheng. Uh, so Cheng is like the guy who. Who kind of cracks the code? He's like, he's like, he, he you know, he solves it really. That he's got the guy who lets the cat out of the bag. And like, you'd be like, cool, like Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. And you're like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, you know, you sort of, you mean so I'll be there at the end, sort of like alongside the action hero. Yeah, no, you uh, <laughs> you sort of break the code like Jeff Goldblum. Then you hide in a cupboard and get knocked down by a car and killed. What do you think? <laughs> The hiding in the cupboard is my favorite, one of my favorite bad scenes because he's hiding in the cupboard and the baddies break in and then the head baddie is like, check everything, find out what he knows, which is a conversation they would have had before they broke in, which I just, <laughs> and I know that's a stupid thing, but it's like, ugh, there's a better way of doing it. Yeah. He has a Cheng has the shittiest of shit movies ahead of him. Like this is his this is his finest moment dodging that fire. Not for the audience because we're being asked to invest like in a character who we've just met and is now being chased by some gas mains. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> but like that's this is it doesn't get any better than this for Cheng. It goes downhill pretty rapidly. Uh, but Cheng is the one who sets the political thriller element of this film in motion. Um, so things can get really stupid at the end. Uh, and so with his death, let's take a break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And we're back. And the rest of the movie now kind of cuts between um, the space station and Earth. Uh, Jake up in space and Max down on the earth so in space um jake meets duncan played by robert sheehan doing an english <laughs> accent doing oh. an english accent oh, oh this man. scene this scene oh, robert man. sheehan robert sheehan sitting on the back of a chair because fuck chairs right i'm a rebel <laughs> i was so desperate for the classic the trope of the ragtag bunch of sons of bitches misfits because we're on a space station and people just can't fucking help themselves that when we go up there people can't be even though it's a really professional setup like uta super profesh apart from everyone just being a scientist with no other specification as to what they do but then it's like hooray we're gonna have the scene and when he's like they sent us a fucking american it's like what do you give a shit and he's like i'm a loyal british subject and it's like that to me is saying oh british people can't let the fucking american war of independence go do you know what i mean it's like and you'd be hard pressed to find a british person who even knows what it is like it's it's not a thing that i don't think we carry around we're like i'm not an american i'm a loyal subject but that speak that's that suggests to me that that was that was a reshoot was the mentioning earlier of him liking soccer and then here him saying me and my brother were born in the uk i think because of Gerard Butler's sort of mid-transatlantic accent in this film and it not being like, um, and the same for for um, his brother. I think audiences were confused as to where these blokes are from and who they are. And so they put in this really awkward back and forth. <laughs> I mean, th- th- this scene makes no sense because these are a bunch of uh, specialists, uh, the best of the best up there, uh, and uh, they're working on Dutch Boy, and Jake built Dutch Boy. Like, he's kind of famous for building what they work on, and yet no one knows who he is. Yeah, like, that's true. They, yeah. They, they've no, it's like they've never seen a picture of the man who built the space station they're working on. And like, and it takes it takes the German uh, woman to go, this is Jake Lawson. And they're like, what? Me, Jake Lawson? No way! No one takes into account the fact it says Jake Lawson on his boiler suit this entire scene. <laughs> it's, 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 it's staring you in the face. This is brilliant. This is why this movie is brilliant. Stuff like this is brilliant. <laughs> no, I think Vicky and I are saying it's, it's, it's bad. 
No, no, no. <laughs> uh, let me tell you one other thing because it, it like, you remember you were saying at the start victoria how it's this is all about us fighting the weather as opposed to like accepting any responsibility for climate mm. change like never more so and I, I respect the movie for going this angle because it, it what it says remember when gerald butler uh drives into a field of literally like 50 space shuttles like there's like, there's not just one space shuttle they've there's acres and mm. acres of space shuttles. Like why there are so many space shuttles is never explained. When it would be necessary to get a thousand people into space at once is, <laughs> is not explained. Uh, I, but this is why it's genius because it's saying that humankind will not learn. It, instead of listening to scientists and looking to renewable energy to prevent climate change, they built Dutch Boy to blow up bad weather. And so now... <laughs> They don't give a fuck about climate change. Yeah, that's true. It, it's like they're literally going, yeah, Greta Thunberg, yeah, across the Atlantic on your dumbass solar-powered yacht. Uh, we'll just send one of our 50 space shuttles <laughs> into yeah. space. And they're old-fashioned ones, by the way, Greta. They they, they use a lot, lot of, of fucking fuel. A <laughs> lot, lot of fuel. Disposable boosters that fall back to Earth. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, this is, this is, we're going to send one of them up with one guy on it as well. <laughs> Like, we literally had no one else and nothing else, no cargo, to send up with him. It's like a fucking space shuttle taxi. It's like a space Uber. It's like Gerald Butler goes, I'll just get on one of these like billion space shuttles on my own and go to space, uh, you know, and f- fuck it. We've, uh, we we weaponized the International Space Station, so anywhere that wants to fuck with us, we blow it up, so we're ready. <laughs> yeah, he's later on in the film, he's upset that they turned his giant laser gun that he invented into a giant laser gun. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say a serious point on that though? Like yeah. it's a serious script winch, so let me just get it off my chest. Because also, as you said, fifteen million dollars to to fix it. I, and it's not nice to have a go at somebody else's work and just be like, oh, you can't write it like that. But something like this really gets on my nerves because it will have been discussed and I don't understand what happened. You get a point in the film where Jim Sturgis says to Gerald Butler, your Dutch boy has been weaponized, and that sort of kicks us off into Act 3 or wherever it comes. Your Dutch boy has been weaponized is page 10 at most because that's the inciting thing. That's your, like call to action to get you into space so you know you're going up into a nightmare into a murderous situation and then you do your little poirot detective thing while you're up there but it's not it's broken and then you stagger and reveal oh no it's a weapon we know it's a weapon because we've seen what it can do so you put that to the characters page 10 and then you can have so much fun in space and it just I, i can't let that one go you say fun but I'm not sure because there, there are some com- corrupted drives that they need and one is stuck outside the spaceship. So they have to don spacesuits and, and float into action. But I, I don't know about you. I find fixing stuff in space really boring. I like I fi- a space station. I'm always pleased to be in space. But I feel like it's, gravity yeah. nailed it. I think gravity did it, nailed it. And I think now I just find these 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 long, drawn-out scenes of people floating around fiddling with stuff i just it doesn't do anything did you see it's if it's no 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 no, disagree disagree only because if it's done well it's incredible did you watch ad astra the brad pitt film the start of that where he's fiddling about fixing something in space that goes wrong 
is fucking brilliant. No, it's only it's good when so the monkeys good. come after him in that film. <laughs> <laughs> the unexpected <laughs> space monkeys. Um, that's just it's one of many brilliant boom moments in that movie. Space. I was not expecting space monkeys. It was quite. It was a quiet father and son drama, very contemplative. But no, space monkeys. All right then. Um, Jake spends a lot of the middle portion of this film as well, speaking to people via a giant, very impractical wall. A big, <laughs> big zoom, isn't it? It's big zoom. It's the holodeck. It's like it's the bridge yeah. of the fucking enterprise. <laughs> uh, you've got a call coming in, Jake. Uh, can I take it on a on a monitor? Or so no, we've got a room for that. You have to go to the room. <laughs> you have to go to the special room. We didn't build this for fun. Oh yeah, like why does he? He knows about it. Let's remember, Jake built this space station, so he built that room. So he is responsible for having to stand in a room. Uh, like talking to a, a massive Jim Sturgis haircut. But that's where he's able um, to use the unspoken code between brothers, which clearly <laughs> needs to be spoken from what I could tell. It's, it's very much not an unspoken code. Uh, and he, he tells us says, says that's the secret code between brothers. So if anyone was listening, they'd be like, oh, hang on. And there might be a secret code in this message actually thinking about it. <laughs> but, but even if, even if you didn't know... You'd go, if I heard that conversation where someone goes, he, like it's not even grammatically correct. He goes, remember when our dad took his fish in and bad big fish caught he did, but family important. <laughs> I'd, I'd listen to that and go, they're definitely fucking talking in code because <laughs> it makes it makes no other. That's a code. Break that code. <laughs> But yeah, that's how he manages to pass uh, the message on to Max, to Jim Sturgis on Earth, who teams up with Dana, played by Zazie Beetz, um, to um, figure out, help with his satellite gizmo and then help cracking the code. Um, and they figure out this sabotage happening at the very highest level of government. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, something to do with Project Zeus. Uh, where they've weaponized <laughs> Dutch boy yeah. and they're targeting cities and um, they're trying to figure out who is responsible because the only way to shut down Dutch boy um, <laughs> is to temporarily turn it off and on again, yeah. um, the, which the climax revolves around. And the, to do that, they need the kill codes from the president. Yeah. But yeah, is the th president responsible? Well, he could be. He could be because do you remember when Abby Cornish uh, is with Jim Sturgis and they're they're finding out a lot about uh, this situation. This is why I think there was a reshoot. This is when Cheng is still alive, by the way. But she's. This is what I'm saying about doing a shoddy job on top of a shoddy job, but it being so shoddy, it verges on the amazing. She's in bed in a blue nighty and dressing gown. Uh, and the cuts are so bad. She turns a corner and she's just in a nighty. Like, and the dressing gown has gone. Jim Sturgis is on the phone. And this is where Cheng explains to him what a geostorm is, which I, I, I felt needed to be explained at some point. It's the title of the fucking film. Uh, and he goes, uh, if Dutch Boy has a catastrophic malfunction, it can create something far worse than what we're trying to prevent. So basically, a geostorm would not exist yeah. Without Dutch Boy. It's not a naturally occurring phenomenon. Like, Gerald Butler has built a death space station. Yeah. And <laughs> and then, like, he finds out all this on the phone, Jim Sturgis. And because I was getting pretty anal at this point, I timed the length of his real-time phone conversation with Cheng. It lasts 45 seconds. How long do you think it takes to take off a nighty? Get dressed in a suit, shirt, and do your hair different and put on some earrings and shoes I, at, at the fastest, <laughs> if you were really in a rush. 
How fast do you think you could do that? 44 seconds. Yeah. yeah you could and a half. You, no, I couldn't. You, bo- <laughs> you both know you couldn't. Uh, Abby Cornish walks around the corner as he starts that conversation, <laughs> walks back, has... It's fully dressed in a different outfit. Goes, I got a call. I'm going to work. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's also if, she, <laughs> she refers that to that wasn't bad enough. The, the look at the fireplace in his flat underneath the TV, Victoria. Surely you noticed this. What with you know having to you know do work on your house at the moment. It's got a really shit. It's been plasterboarded up. Yeah, I saw like, that. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like yeah, right. Because it's it's basically they haven't even bought. They've gone. Has anyone got a house we can use for these reshoots? <laughs> <laughs> like Jerry and Danny have pretty much pocketed the fifteen million. Can we borrow? Can we borrow, can we borrow from flat? this house? This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is just like what? What the fuck is that? Why are you living? Why would you not do something with that? It's uh... anyway. I, I also don't really understand their theory here. They think the president is doing this. So that if there's something wrong with Dutch Boy, the world will let him keep hold of Dutch Boy Makes and he no can sense. retain autonomous yeah. control. But surely if it's fucking up, they'll take it off. This they'll happened on your watch, mate. So yeah. you're done. I'm not holding it, handing over damaged goods. Not now. <laughs> not yeah. ever. Why have you done it yeah. before? Like, what's, what's <laughs> this? Why is this a big deal for you? Like, it feels I like... I mean, I don't know. Is that a serious point, though? Is that a sort of... Um without wanting to sound like offensive, but is it a very sort of US stereotype where it's like they, they couldn't consider that even though this is a shared endeavour, that the rest of the world would have the power to take it off them so an, an audience would not would question that. If, if, say, the French and the UK got together and were like, I'm sorry, and India and whoever else is up there, and Mexico, that, that you, you're making a mess of this and you have literally no procedures for fixing it, by the way, beyond sending Gerard Butler up there. Like, where are the engineers that work there that are like, oh, has something gone wrong? We'll fix it. Um, so yeah, maybe it just would. It's unimaginable that that would happen to an well, audience. I don't know. I mean, there's evidence that no one really knows what the hell is going on up there. I mean, uh, Gerard Butler is probably the best person to solve it up there because you've got there's the bit where the robot arm goes haywire mm-hmm. and the Mexican engineer is basically holding a red box with a couple of joysticks <laughs> on it. <laughs> he's going it, it, it won't work it won't work and he, I think at one point he bangs this box that he's holding it's like it's not like a remote control for that giant robot arm it's not pre-programmed there's no computer system operating it's you with your fucking joysticks on yeah. your big red box yeah <laughs> that's that's weird and then the French security guy turns up and his job is security and safety on the station and he goes I have a gun and um, <laughs> it's like you've got a gun on a space station. station. Like, is it, <laughs> tell me it's a laser gun or like something that is sort of like used weather as a weapon. Does it fire like really high velocity wind? Like, is it weather themed? It's like, no, it's just a gun. I will shoot you. It's like, I'll fucking blow a hole in it. That better come back. Oh, at least that does. At least that does come back because Robert Sheehan blows himself up. Yeah, well, we're back, we're back up in space and there's apparently 200 satellites reporting malfunctions. So we see um, giant hail hitting Tokyo and Rio gets frozen um, and then there's a tidal wave uh, going Incredible. after a girl who, who struggles to run. Um, <laughs> Incredible scene. She gets chased. Uh, it's like, I swear to God, Dean Devlin was like, it, it was almost like he was in the room where like when Roland Emmerich was shooting the day after tomorrow and just found some bits of paper on the floor that Roland wasn't using and went (laughs) (laughs) it's like he picked the bit and fucking if you're going to pick a bit in the day after tomorrow do not pick the bit in that movie that everyone goes 
Wait, Jake Gyllenhaal outran ice. That's what you... (laughs) Don't see that and go, well, that was great, wasn't it, everyone? Let's put that in this fucking movie. Let's let's have a girl on a beach not only outrun ice, like in The Day After Tomorrow, the bit that everyone hates, let's also have her outrun dead seabirds that are attacking. I like that, though. It's like like a joke from a David Zucker movie because it's like, like, oh, well, she dodged the tiny dead seabirds falling from the sky. A jumbo jet next. (laughs) So, yeah, and there's cyclones in Mumbai as well and a tidal wave in Dubai. So um, it's all kicking off. They've got an hour and 30 minutes to the geostorm. Um, And apparently, I think I didn't really understand. They start using replacement satellites to take out the infected satellites. Is that right? No idea. Yeah. What's this satellite called? What's this satellite called? I call it the rock and roller. You know, like that Guy Ritchie movie you made? That seems like a lot. <laughs> the actual Guy Ritchie movie that was called Rock and Roller, a phrase not often used. We've decided to call it that in this movie. It's a it's a fictional satellite that we could have named anything. We could literally have called it anything, but we've chosen a name for a movie that you played the lead in, Gerard Butler. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, the, on top of that, the space station starts to self-destruct, so everyone has to evacuate. And this is the moment <laughs> that... Jerry Butler and Robert Sheehan um, go at each other. Uh, we find out that that <laughs> Rob was um, the saboteur because he wasn't getting paid enough. And then he turns That's into right. Michael Caine from the Batman films and says, aren't you a bit curious to watch the world burn? <laughs> I can't believe he did that. Copy and paste. Oh, God. You can't go there. Coffee and paste. Everyone watching it is like, oh, that's a good film. Fuck. <laughs> you just can't. And he then gets sucked out. And so uh, back on Earth. This is when mm. the political yeah. thriller kicks yeah. into high gear. Because mm. <laughs> uh, we, 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 Ed Harris plays Defence Secretary Deckham. Uh, who explains that the president is the kill codes and that they'll need his fingerprints and retina scan to uh, to do all this. He tells he tells all this while walking past press, saying it quite loudly <laughs> as well. I don't think he's very good at his job. <laughs> and they slowly figure out that Ed Harris is actually trying to kill the president and everyone in line for the presidency. This this is his plan. Um, <laughs> So there's a car chase, uh, an electric storm hits, cranes are falling, and then Deckham does something I wasn't expecting him to do, which is get a rocket launcher out of the boot of his car. (laughs) Um, Do Secret Service always have a rocket launcher in the boot? Yes. Absolutely. Um, And he finds it at a car that's driving towards them and blows the car up. Mm. It's, uh, Chris, it's not just a, it's not a car. We've we've already established it's a self-driving taxi. Uh, because why why on earth would they make the point earlier when Jim Sturgis arrives in the car? Why would Abby Cornish go? Why why have you got a self-driving taxi? If only to set up a scene that happens less than ten minutes later, where the car can drive itself. Okay, I've missed that line, and I've been trying to figure out who they'd murdered, but it was no one. It was no one. Yeah, 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 it's a self-driving taxi. Remember, this is set two years in the future where self-driving cars are commonplace. <laughs> so uh, the, the president is saved. Um, someone says, how the hell did you? And rather than answer the question of how he made it there uh, in one piece, his answer is simply because I'm the goddamn president of the United States of America. <laughs> that is so lazy. It's so lazy. 
The rocket launcher thing's fine, though. I like the rocket launcher. It reminded me of um, From Paris with Love, which is a great film. I think maybe I like this movie because it reminds me of other films that I've enjoyed, like The Day After Tomorrow from Paris with Love. It's one of those experiences. I'm glad I've seen it. And I'm glad, but I'm really glad I've seen it and I've been able to talk about it almost immediately because if I just watched it, just I just didn't have anywhere to put all this anger, I, I don't think it'd be very healthy for me. You get, I, we still haven't got on to my reasoning. I might yeah, not okay. even do it in this show. I might not even do it in the show, by the way. I might save it for the verdict, but okay. I'm going to blow, I'm going to blow your mind, Victoria, and indeed Chris, but mainly you, Victoria. So the villain is using, um, weather as a weapon and we find out the whip, the villain is the Secretary of Defence. Is this not the same plan as Sean Connery had in the original Avengers movie? <laughs> and is that another film that's better than this, potentially? No, AG. <laughs> we're, all, we're, all having a pop, we're having a pop at Geostorm, but let's not get crazy. Right? You're, talking about, <laughs> you're talking about the Avengers film. So, no, it's not better than this. Jesus Christ. We're in, the, we're, we're in the home straight now. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Ed Harris has g- delivers some great villainous speeches. He says he's using Dutch Boy to take out America's enemies, uh, which from the attacks we've seen, because he wants to wake up and all America's enemies will have been vanquished as if by a hand of God. Mm. Uh, from the attacks we've seen, America's biggest enemies, according to Ed Harris, are based in Mumbai, Dubai, and, and those real fuckers on Copacabana Beach I in know, Rio. What did Brazil do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an emerging economy. But, yeah, you know, Brit- it's, a booming, it's a booming economy. It's Tokyo, Dubai, and Brazil. Aren't these booming economies? Yeah. Uh, they saved the biggest uh, sell, uh, destruction, though, not for on Earth, but for, uh, for like you say, because Sheryl uh, Butler, remember, he's built this space station. And as, I, as I've claimed, uh, rightly so, throughout this podcast, he's built a death trap. Walls <laughs> blow out, killing scientists immediately. Robot arms go insane. Uh, wasted space of giant holodecks to make a phone call. Uh, he, <laughs> he's, he's just built, like, he's, he's really Dr. Fibes, did. He's like Dr. fucking Fibes. He's built a death trap. And he's also built uh, a self destruct system that is irreversible what the fuck <laughs> like like what what on earth so you've got a self-destruct system uh and once it once it goes it, it can't be turned off for any reason at all it just can't be turned off cool okay and then and then he goes yep that's the self-destruct system starting as bits of the space station are exploding with the crew still on board it like it just it, it goes and they're on there and it's exploding and he goes he goes yeah that's the first bit to go What's the first bit to go? The fucking fuel tanks. They blow the fuel tanks first. So what? What's an insane part to blow up first? Surely that's the last thing you do because it's full of fucking fuel. But he's successful um, in in terms of rebooting the system. So we do save the Earth, but it yeah. means he's going to die unless he like does he a hail mary. Yeah, what does that mean? It means floating uh, to a satellite and then getting in a pod and flying home right. and signalling Earth yeah. with some thrusters. Yeah. Where's that come from? Where's that? That was, I mean, that's, I, I love a movie that basically will introduce something that has never been mentioned before in the final act as a tool to save our hero, which is him using the boosters of, like you say, a satellite to signal SOS in Morse code. It's like, you've not mentioned Morse code once, let alone the boosters of a satellite. Why isn't he using his brother's secret code about fishing? That would be good. (laughs) 
so he gets saved and the weather goes back to normal on Earth. So we don't actually ever get to see the geostorm, which is kind of what I signed up for. Did when... you notice the bit in Dubai? So the the water or the big wave is approaching and there's a man in a high conference room watching and all this water is sloshing around. It's like, that can't happen. This is the desert or whatever. And then when the geostorm, which incidentally is an event that shouldn't happen, but the computer has a countdown clock for an event that shouldn't happen, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, I remember Dr. Fibes, Gerald Butler built a death trap. That space yeah. station is a death trap. But isn't it funny how the water drains away from Dubai like someone's pulled a plug? It's like, Geostorm's finished. Oh, well, the water's going to leave. <laughs> it wouldn't leave. It would just stop, but it would sit there. It just, whatever. I don't know. I think I think, I think think tsunami water dissipates afterwards. I think it's it does like, sort of instantly. go down. Okay. Well, it depends. It either dissipates or um, it it freezes and attracts wolves, like, <laughs> <laughs> like in the day after tomorrow. The water sort of hangs around, then freezes, and then wolves come. So I, they were about doing my calculations. They were about ten minutes away from a group of wolves uh, being in Dubai. Well, speaking of canines, a kid finds a dog. Uh, that he lost, but I couldn't be bothered to mention that earlier because it's such uh, a horrendous cliche. Um, Jake meets Max's fiance Sarah. The president apologises, and everyone ignores the German scientist. At the end. I know, <laughs> poor Uta. Honestly, although I will say, I, I it probably wasn't meant to turn out like this, but the fact that her and Gerard Butler have a platonic relationship was quite refreshing. Mm. But it probably oh, wasn't yes. going to be like that. Uh, well, I, I mean, that's it. There's like fact. a six months later postscript, but I think we've said enough about this film. <laughs> uh, oh, well, very quickly, uh, Gerald Butler looks 1,000 times better at the end of this movie that he, than he does at the start. He looks like he's lost weight. He looks like he's been on a sunbed. Uh, he looks great. I just want to, you know, I think he looks almost piratey if he was a really <laughs> healthy pirate. 100% agree. You got my number, Jerry. Give us a ring. Uh, but should we do the bits? Uh, yeah, I will say the minute it finished, because uh, I watched it with my mum, and the second it finished, uh, she said, that is the worst film I've seen <laughs> since Battlefield Earth. Uh, and then almost by way of apology to John Travolta, and, and indeed this film, uh, she said, uh, but then again, I don't really like Gerard Butler, so I wouldn't have liked it anyway. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, I do not I do not agree with Alex's mum if you're listening Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Let's do the bits. What's your favorite scene Victoria? Oh, um I'm going to choose uh Abby Cornish reversing an electric car and shooting someone repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of reasons. Uh, I can't really drive in reverse that well, so I was very jealous. Um, it was memorable. It looked cool. That's it. This is so funny. So my my favourite scene is when uh, Abby Cornish needs to throw it on the president's life, so fires her gun in the air at the convention. I said this. that's mm. the first and only cool moment in this film. So we both went yeah, for not- cool Abby Cornish moments. Oh, <laughs> my God. My favourite moment is the moment, and I kid you not, it's written in front of me. I will read it ad verbatim. Abby Cornish spinning a car 180 degrees into reverse, <laughs> shooting out the driver of the other car and spinning it back round. So cool. I giggled. Oh, that's so funny. Classic Cornish. Yeah, great moment. Although great she does, moment. she does call the President of the United States POTUS a couple of times in this, which gives me flashbacks to when I used to watch The West Wing and thought POTUS was the name of a character that wasn't on screen. <laughs> I don't oh know if that, how long God. I thought that was a thing. 
When's this pony's bloke showing up? Wait, are there, are, there, are there twins somewhere? Who is Floatus? Floatus and Floatus. Are they going to make an appearance? I should have admitted that. MVW, uh, most valuable whatever, Alex. Uh, probably only as good here as he could be playing a pirate is Gerard <laughs> Butler. He I love him. I love Gerard Butler. I think, you know, I think you, he's so good that he somehow manages to do two things at once. He delivers his lines like he's like totally committed to this movie. Like this is probably the greatest film that's ever been made. While simultaneously going, I know I'm in a piece of shit. Like only he can do that. He can act in both ways. Like he gives a chameleon like performance where you take from it what you want to believe Gerard Butler thinks of the movie he's in. Mm. Uh, Vicky? Uh, Abby Cornish, because of when she drives that car. <laughs> and also, when she's like, shots fired, get porters out of the building. I was like, that's good. You keep on like this, Abby Cornish, and you're Charlize Theron in a few years. Like, seriously, she was brilliant. I am. I'm going to tell you a story now. In September 2014, Catherine Winnick was cast as Olivia Lawson, Jake's wife. She shot her scenes, but a couple of years later, she was no longer in the film. Catherine Winnick is my MVW because whether it was her decision or not, she managed to extract herself from this hot pile of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could change anything, what would you change, Alex? So. Of all the moments in this movie that I, I feel could uh, could have done with another $15 million thrown at them and reshoots, um, one bit really, really aggravates me. And it's it's the point at which Jim Sturgis' haircut at uh, one point <laughs> walks into a room and it says, you and me. And Zazie Beats is all like, uh, it's you and I, mm. which is actually wrong. It's incorrect. It's grammatically correct to say you and me. Like, I, you can't say, like, Vicky and me or Chris and me. Then it's like Vicky and I or Chris and I. But you can say you and me. And the fact that a writer wrote that, <laughs> a, a writer wrote that, and went, <laughs> that's great. She's picking him up on his shitty grammar. Uh, and no one, no, it, it, got to be, it got to be shot on screen as a thing. And no one's ever gone, but that's right. He's right to say you and me. It's like who wouldn't know that you can say you and me? I mean, what, how would you? How would you? How would you not know that? It's so weird. So that bit, I changed the bit where Zazy Beats goes, uh, "It's you and I, idiot." It makes herself look stupid. Vicky, you got a better one than that. I've got a few. Good. So as I've said, your Dutch boy has been weaponized. That's page ten at the latest. Uh, you stick it on page three. Let's let's get going, kind of thing. Um. Some of the crew up there have a job that is in any way distinguishable from somebody else's job beyond pressing a joystick. Like, how much training do you need to be on Dutch Boy? None. And yeah, when, because then Gerald Butler's like, um, let's check the rock and rollers then. And everyone's like, what a fucking good idea. And it's like, why would that not have occurred to anybody? Anyway, um, I think what you should do, because it is suggested, but. Uh, everyone's like, this is a great effort between nations and we all pull together and we put aside our differences. And when Gerard Butler gets up there, you should play on the tensions between nations bubbling up very quickly. Uh, so he's basically walking into World War Three. Mm. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. And I think in that interrogation scene at the start, it should be Secretary of State Deckham played by Ed Harris interrogating Jake. 
at that hearing. Yeah, that makes we talk sense. About, we often talk about collapsing characters, but rather than Richard Schiff, that should be Ed Harris. So it all kind the of connects. Is, though, did you notice that that character's name, remember, he's quite an angry man and he's berating Gerard Butler and the character's name is Thomas Cross. I also agree with, with something Vicky said at the start. I think it's bang out of order to have a film exploit the subject of climate change without exploring the subject in any way, shape or form. I don't think you get to have that serious holier-than-thou narration at the beginning no. and end without saying anything of any substance. So... I think it wouldn't have gotten a miss to say to actually say something. Yeah, that's the point of the movie. I told you though, the whole point of this movie is that it's saying we we can't learn as a species. That's why we have fifty space shuttles to ferry one man into space and burn as much. You know, I'm surprised there weren't wood burning fires on the space station. <laughs> it's like it's it, the movie is saying, you know, rather than actually listen to scientists, we are doomed to fail. Because we will just find a weapon to blow up weather rather than <laughs> like use renewable energy. It's in our DNA as a species. Right. Is that it? I believe so. Would you have still so, yeah. Okay, do you want a quiz? Uh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Okay. It's a weather quiz this week. How well Ooh. do you know your weather? Not very well. <laughs> I know which weather I would like to see blown up. <laughs> I know which weather I hate the most. Right. Yeah. Qu- question one. What does the Beaufort scale measure? Uh, wind. Humidity. Vicky is correct. It is wind speed. <laughs> uh, which weatherman played down fears of the great storm of 1997? Michael Fish. Michael Fish. Fish. Michael Fish. <laughs> it, was, it was Michael Fish. <laughs> um, give the popular nautical term that refers to the belt near the equator where sailing ships sometimes get stuck on windless waters. Oh, the yeah, the thing, the <sighs> the doldrums. Correct, <laughs> Alex. It's oh, the doldrums. That's so good. good. I didn't Very know good. that. I'm super impressed. All right, this one I liked. What is the luminous blue-green plasma that looks like lightning on ships' masts or aircraft wings? Uh, sea Fritz. Foo Fighters. <laughs> it's also the name of a Brat Pack movie we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. St. Elmo's Fire! Correct! Yes! <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, which of the following cities gets more the most rainfall per year? Tokyo, London, Chicago or Rome? Tokyo. Sh- uh, Tokyo, London, Chicago. Tokyo. You're both right there. You both get a point. Uh, what is the name given to a column of swirling dust or soil raised into the air by small tornado? No, a dust devil. Twister. <laughs> it's a dust devil. Alex is right there. Uh, Shit. Alex, this is a question just for you. If Vicky had oh. to go to one of those Greenland shelters in a hurry, what one personal <laughs> item would she take? Uh, bottle of WKD. <laughs> Incorrect. Vicky, what's the answer? No, because Chris asked me this question and I gave him a serious answer. Uh, so I, I think it's probably unfair on you because you're just not in that headspace. But it's a, mm. it was, it's my photo album with pictures of the boys, obviously. Because it's irreplaceable. So yeah. Alex got that wrong. Um, Alex, I asked you this question as well, didn't I? Yes, you did. What do you think I replied, no, Victoria? You, you, you didn't respond. Um, so oh. therefore, <laughs> therefore, I'm going to drop you a point for spoiling the quiz. Um, so you've just you could have won a point you've lost a point and um, that means it's a draw so we go into the tiebreaker oh god which 
disaster movie featured a flying cow. Oh, Twister. fuck, Mars Attacks. Twister. Oh, yeah, it was Twister. But there was... Is... No, the cow's on fire. In... Oh, shit. <laughs> it was Twister. Well played, Alex. Fuck. You won it. You won it in spite of losing a bloody point because you're rubbish. <laughs> did you just ignore him? Why did you ignore him? Because uh, I, seems... I, I don't know. I just thought it was like... If it had said, it's, it's like... I felt it was a bit probing to be perfectly honest i felt like if, it, if i'd known it was for the quiz i'd have gone oh right so it's for the quiz you got to turn asking. into a question but yeah i just sort of thought well, it was a big personal question chris i'm not really in that headspace right now and i never sort of came back to it after that i was a bit like <laughs> i don't it's not sort of my business if i'm gonna take something with me it might be something i don't want to tell chris anyone. i think you should dock him another point for his insouciance Vicky's won the quiz. Yay! <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Absolutely not. Geostorm. Right. Uh, that is us done with Geostorm. Uh, I'm going to sort of save my uh, wonderful explanation for why it's not a bad film till Thursday. How's that for a hook? Uh, in the meantime... <laughs> Quite a weird thing uh, to do, though, to not to not actually say it on the Geostorm episode. <laughs> yeah, but I think you'll sit better in the verdicts, Chris. Fine. Sit all, good. In the verdict. all good, all good, all good. All right, uh, please uh, do subscribe to us, rate and review us if you have the time. It's great uh, for us, it's great help, not just, not just great for us, it's great to help us. It is great help for us. Uh, and uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram, where we reside, at ClashPod. We will be back on Thursday talking about Greenland. Until then, bye-bye. I've got a clue. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome <laughs> to a very special deleted scene from this edition of Clash of the Titles. Uh, so for those of you who stuck around, uh, Chris has a clue. Okay. Uh, the clue for next week's films is Blame It on the Boogie. Blame It on the Boogie. Lovely stuff. That is our clue. Uh, get on Twitter for another clue at Clash Pod back on Thursday. Again, <laughs> bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.